Alrighty, welcome back. Episode 9, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, of the Sports Booth podcast. I, I keep up to date with what I'm doing, don't I, Husey? I'm very good yep. at that. I'm joined by my co-host, Husey. Um, welcome. How, how, how are you, Husey? How's your week been? I am excellent. I'm excellent because the Bengals didn't win the Super Bowl. So <laughs> once more, you know, don't have to put up with a year of Bengals fans crying about they finally won a Super Bowl. Stay ringless, you losers. <laughs> no, so yes, Husey is happy, um, and and we'll get on to the Super Bowl. Um, but kind of we'll we'll go through on the podcast this week. We will obviously touch base on the Super Bowl, and that will be probably yes. what half of this podcast will be about. Uh, a little bit of a recap of the UFC two seven one. A bit of a touch base on what happened in the Six Nations, along with Super Rugby coming up, and then we will finish with a bit of a touching base of the NRL All Star Game and the fierce competition that was. But none other than the Super Bowl. Get us started, Husey. Your first thoughts on it? A Rams victory, uh, a well-deserved Rams victory, you'd say? Yes, I think it. The scoreline is. Uh, closer than what it should have been because there was a touchdown that the Bengals got um, which they really shouldn't have got, which was, of course, the uh, Joe Burrow to T. Higgins down the sideline for 75 yards. That was is clearly a face mask penalty. There's all the elements of it there. They even sort of broke down after the game what you need. You need to have the grab, a twist, and a turn of the player for it to constitute a face mask. And it, and it did. It had all those elements. So... Look, I think if you, it's actually really that's really interesting to think about, and I'm going to come back to that point later. But to give sort of a, a summary of the game, the Rams came out crash hot uh, in the in the first half, and Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Cam Akers, OBJ, OBJ was the star of the early portion of the Super Bowl. Then he unfortunately reaggravates his knee injury. It looks like he might have done his ACL again, which is horrific luck for him. But I think he'll be the first to tell you that. He, he doesn't care. But uh, they started out really solidly. They seemed to be dominating the trenches. Uh, neither team really ran the ball effectively. Um, this is, well, I think the most efficient rusher was uh, Joe Burrow himself and a couple of scrambles up the middle. But the, the trenches was a, a horrific battle for the Bengals this game. I think it's a Super Bowl record, seven sacks or something like that in the way the Rams. But... The the Bengals stuck in it, and at halftime we went in 13-10 to 10, uh, to the Rams, so a bare three-point margin there. Uh, and we come back out of the half, and first play of the second half is that 75-yard touchdown to T. Higgins. Uh, the Bengals look like they have it all under control. Then they go and uh, kick a field goal as well. Now it's a uh, seven-point game. Rams, though, they get their own field goal in return. Things go into a bit of a stalemate. The Bengals can't do anything on offense. The Rams can't do anything on offense. And it looks like this game might grind to a halt. Uh, but then Matt Stafford remembered that I'm supposed to be throwing it to number 10, Cooper <laughs> Cup, not number 18, Skoronic. <laughs> Both tall, skinny, white dudes. They can see how he's getting confused there. But number 10 on number 18 is like, my bad. And then drives down the field with Cooper Cup, well-deserving of his MVP uh, award there, Cooper Cup. Uh, and a great, great clutch drive to close out the Super Bowl with 
he he's, he caught two touchdowns in that final drive, one of which was taken away by a penalty. And I think arguably that one was a much more impressive catch than the one that actually resulted in the touchdown, given that he was batted around like a, a pinball in that one and still held on to it. I'm sure he was concussed, and I'm really surprised <laughs> that he wasn't taken off the field to get checked for concussion after that play. But he stayed in it, and he ended up uh, catching the game-winning touchdown for the Rams. Uh what turned out to be the game-winning touchdown, but the Bengals, they had one more drive to possibly send this to overtime, and I was sitting there thinking, Joe Burrow's going to drive down the field, kick a field goal, and we're going to go to overtime. It just That's just how this off, this postseason's gone, but uh, credit to the Rams' uh, defensive line, and I'm going to talk about this in sort of my analysis of what this game taught us after recapping the game, but... The, the Rams defensive line and Aaron Donald, the second best defensive player in football, <laughs> pushed through the line and nearly got Joe Burrow on a sack on the final play. Even still, Burrow nearly got the ball to uh, his running back who could have converted for a verse down there. But fortunately for the Rams and for NFL fans everywhere outside of Cincinnati, <laughs> the ball fell dead. And the Rams won their second Super Bowl, giving a whole slew of players their first well-deserved Super Bowl ring. Matt Stafford suffering for 12 years or more than 12 years in Detroit, 13 years or something like that in Detroit, 12, 13 years, one of the two, just suffering, <laughs> suffering in the pit of the NFL. Coming into the Super Bowl, both quarterbacks had a losing record. That's the first time that's ever happened in NFL history. Coming into this game, one of the head coaches had a losing record, which is crazy to think about. Aaron Donald got his first ring. OBJ got his first ring. Cooper Cup got his first ring. Von Miller got his second ring and arguably before that final touchdown drive was the MVP for the Rams because he was consistently getting pressure on uh, on Joe Burrow and stuffing the run. Uh, Jalen Ramsey had a great battle with Jamar Chase and we were uh, was talking with some mates during the game and playing corner is one of, it's like that saying about Superman, like Superman has to win every time the bad guys just have to win once and the world's over. And that's similar to playing corner, especially star corner like Jalen Ramsey against Jamar Chase, you could win 99% of the snaps that you play that game. But if you lose that one snap where it goes for a touchdown like that T. Higgins one, that's all everyone's going to remember you for that entire game. And that's what all anyone's remembering of Jalen Ramsey this game. Looking at it in a bit more detail, I think he played really solidly and really clamped down on Jamar Chase and limited him a lot. So credit to the Rams defense and... I'm, you know, I'm happy for a lot of those guys in the Rams that they got their first ring. Sean McVay, especially, although he does um, now take the record from Mike Tomlin of the youngest head coach <laughs> to win a Super Bowl. But overall, it was an entertaining Super Bowl, not the most exciting Super Bowl um, that we've seen, not even the most exciting one in the last uh, three years. Arguably, the Chiefs versus 49ers was a much more exciting game. But at the end of the day, it was entertaining. The halftime show was pretty cool. The Bengals <laughs> lost. What more could you ask for? Yeah, I mean that's a good good wrap up. I guess from my point of view, I I and again the like you said the touchdown that T Higgins got could have easily been called back. You've got the line judges obviously on the wrong side, so he couldn't see that. It would have been yeah. interesting to see the point of view and what the the head judge was looking at the in the, in the backfield to see if he had his eyes on it and it was just a miscall or, or what happened there. But these things happen. Um, it was a pretty physical game and they hadn't called much up yeah. until those last points. And I didn't mind. It. I think as bad as you could you could step there and say, oh, these officiating, I think there was enough tip for tat where it was like, in the end, I think if you you could have won that game on either side, like it wasn't lost because of the refs and wasn't won because of the refs. It would have been yeah. a big play and talked about if the Bengals had won, but the Rams still had their opportunities. It's interesting, I think, I think 
Bengals fans and Bengals, Bengals teams probably going to look back and regret a lot about the the way this game kind of finished. As soon as OBJ went down, the Rams were were stuck. They they the, the Bengals defense, to credit this whole playoffs, have stopped the run pretty well. Like they that's that's been they stopped Derrick Henry in that first game. They've stopped the run pretty damn well, and they did it again. So as you said. Stafford could only really throw the ball. They forced him to throw the ball. When he wasn't throwing to Cooper Cup, it wasn't going well. Um, so I think they will look back and go, "Damn, we had we had uh, an injured, you know, Rams team. We made it through the hard AFC division, and still didn't kind of get the job done in the end." I think they they probably played it a little bit conservative towards the end there when they were up twenty to sixteen. I think they they had to had to go for uh, yeah, not like a fourth down, but just some of their play calling. I was a little bit off off off. For me, just just to to try and really show that you were going to be the team and you were going to win the game rather than hold on, um, and then I guess yeah we go to that those that last drive. If I look at that last drive, I go, hey, Jalen Ramsey made his biggest mistake on that last drive when he tried to jump for the interception. Yeah. If if that if they had gone down and even scored from that, I think that would look back and gone, man, that's your worst play of the game. The, the T Higgins one, you can even the Jamar Chase catch on him. That one was a bad play from him. I think. I, I don't understand this as well. The best runner on the day who had his moments was Joe Mixon. There was no doubt about it. He, yep. If he got, if he got free, he made ten to twelve yards about three times. To then hand the ball off in third and one to to Pirine and right when the game's there, I, that that had my, me question. I, I understand going for it on fourth down if you have to, but and the throwing it, I've got no problem with them throwing it there. They've always managed to pull the rabbit out of the hat with a shit offensive line and sacks coming left, right, and centre. I don't understand the. Joe Mixon not being on there in the third and one. Um, but that is what it is. And in the end, like you said, I think it was actually probably one of the more entertaining games because it was so strategic. Obviously, that third quarter and that mm. after that after those touchdowns stopped, it was the entertainment kind of stopped. And we were, everyone was expecting a higher scoring game, but it was defensive play here. And then it's, it was just tip for tat. And I think I, I, I loved the game. I think the game was awesome. I yeah. think. Uh, I'm happy for I am happy for Stafford to to get the ring and all those guys. I just think the Bengals miss an opportunity more than the Rams took their opportunity because the Rams yeah put all in on this, but then the injuries stuff, stuffed them on the on the offense, and in the end their defense was strong enough. But I think the Bengals will look back in a hard AFC and a hard division, let alone conference, and go. Ah, uh, we missed the trick there. Like yeah. this, they may not be back here for another ten years. Like as good as Joe Barry, Jamar Chase are, that division's so hard to go for and win. It takes three points, as we saw them beat the Chiefs. It's it, it does it interests me that they may look back and go well. And and this is a really good point to come out of this Super Bowl, is that leading up to the Super Bowl and all throughout, more so the AFC playoffs than the NFC. Everything has been so focused on the quarterback. You know, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, of course, had that incredible duel uh, in the divisional round. Then Joe Burrow and Mahomes had that same uh, duel in the AFC Championship game like they did in Week 17. Uh, and all the focus, especially coming up to now draft time, has been on quarterback. And you need to get a quarterback. And, you know, the highlights all the time were about Joe Burrow, Joe Cool. You know, look at his suits, look at his cigars. You know, he's the he's the man. He's the, he's the next thing he's the next goat and things like that but at the end of the day when you look at what happened in this game where was it won and lost and it was in the trenches right that's what dictated this game i, I agree with you i think if they run it with mix more if they focus more on the trenches 
the Bengals could have pulled this, pulled this one out. And it shows you what happens and the Steelers season as well as a reflection of this, because I'm always going to bring back the Steelers. You need to invest in the, in the line. That's the, that's the biggest areas of weakness. So I hope teams look at what happened in the Super Bowl and look and see, okay. And it's the same with Mahomes. It's the same with Josh Allen, right? As good as your quarterback is and can be, you win championship games with defense and with your line. Yeah. And the Chiefs did a really good job of upgrading their line by getting um, Orlando Brown and drafting uh, Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey. They yeah. did a really, really good job. And uh, getting Joe Tooney as well. Almost a completely different offensive line from a season ago. And they looked... Once those guys started to click together, they got even more effective. Once they got Melvin Ingram on the defensive side as well, that's where their defense started to click as well when they had a better defensive line. Looking at... The, the Bengals stats was uh, to sort of go on this. If you look at Joe Burrow's stats, right? If you take away that T Higgins touchdown, which was arguably a penalty, right? He throws no touchdowns and he's under 200 yards, right? So I'm just taking it away to say, look at the whole sort of course of the game, how it played out. As you said, the most effective mover of the ball in the day for the Bengals was Joe Mixon, you know, with 72 yards at the ground, nearly five yards of rush, which is impressive against it defensive line that features Von Miller and Aaron Donald, right? Definitely. So that's that's where you've got to that's where you've got to go. That's what's going to win you games, that's what's going to win you championships. That's what the best football teams have done in championship time. That's how the everyone when they think of the Patriots they think of Tom Brady leading success. Why does he have that success though? Because of stout defense he had stout defensive lines solid running game. It's exactly what they did in Tampa Bay. It's what they did in the Patriots in all the years that he won. The year they... The, sort of the most famous Tom Brady season is the season that he didn't win a Super Bowl, which is, of course, the 2007 season <laughs> where he broke all those records, went undefeated up until the Super Bowl. What beat them in that Super Bowl? A great defensive line from the Giants, along with a Giants offense that was competent enough to move the ball in a balanced manner. So as much as the NFL changes and is changing towards this like very vertical and air raid passing game where the ball spread out all over the field and just all the investments that the Rams made in a high flying offense. What won them this game in the end was their defense and their defensive line and their offenses lines ability to, to block and to keep their quarterback relatively protected. He wasn't fully protected, but relatively uh, protected. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it's, it's a lesson that repeats itself throughout NFL history and it will continue to be taught until the rules change enough where it, it, it is viable to just throw the ball the entire time. And look, the Rams did that to a certain extent here, but they, they backed it up with some good defense. They, made, they, they switched the plays when they needed to. And one of the biggest plays of the game for the Rams on that touchdown drive was a run by Cooper Cup. So, yeah, yeah look, I, I agree with what you said about it being a very defensive game and a sort of strategic struggle. And I think that's, you know, I hope, especially for my team, the Steelers, to come away from this. They're looking at it and, and all the teams out there that are looking to change their fortunes. You've got to build your team from the trenches. Yep. Build your team from the trenches outwards. That's what will get make you successful. Yeah, and I guess, again, I'm no NFL coach or expert, but there were a couple of things that the Bengals did that surprised me. They didn't run many, if any, screens, and, and we saw mm. how useful that was, especially even if it's just getting the ball to Jamar Chase or Perrine when he's out in open space. I, I, that was interesting to me. And then that last the, the last touchdown, the Cooper Cup touchdown, I understand you're on the goal line, but surely mm. you put a Jesse Bates 
into the, the back and just say, okay, if you pass the Cooper Cup, if you run this ball and you score, you run this ball and you score. But we're not letting mm. Cooper beat us. Because it just, as as, yeah. as as hated as Eli Apple is, and I understand the hate because he seems like he's a prick as well. Um, yep. But he actually played, I thought, he played a bloody good playoffs. He stood up when he needed. That's an impossible task. I don't think, even if you have Jalen Ramsey, that's a task. I think that's outside anyone when you put one-on-one with Cooper Cup in those dying moments. So that just interests me yeah. as I was like, as much as, again, I think you're 100% correct with you build through the line and in the trenches and everything. When it comes down to those decisive plays, just the coaching, I think, lack thereof. And that's not completely on, on the Bengals coaching staff. I think it was a it's a whole thing where I go, you'll look back at that yeah. as a Bengals team and go, there's a couple moments there that we could have done this better or that better. So interesting. It'll be very interesting as we move on to next year, I guess, who's going to take yeah. take that advice. I put, who do you think the next year faves are right now? So if you were to go favourites from Activision, if you had to make a very early prediction for Super Bowl in 2023, um, who would you look at? 23. Yeah, so with Tom Brady retiring, that sort of clears the Buccaneers out of the board. to the retiring. Unless, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He might go to San Francisco, who knows? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah look, uh, yeah, very, oh God, it's very early because okay. you don't know who's keeping who. I'm, I'm just going to chuck I'm, it out, mine out now while you have a little thought because yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, if I, again, had to, you don't put your money against Kansas City not bouncing back, going to another AFC Championship, yeah. then getting in from the AFC. As good as everyone can improve, as good as the Bengals were, if you're going to play safe money, you play safe money. I'll just say the Chiefs are going to be back mm. there. The hardest part is obviously the NFC. Um, NFC. Because Aaron Rodgers, is he going to be there? What's going to happen with Russell Wilson? Where's he going to end up? Who's going to be back there? Who's going to be wherever? I've got a slight pick. I don't think the Rams make it back again. It's not. I just think they depends what they happen with their talent as well. I mm. actually really like what the 49ers did, and I'll be very interested to see them now. So I'm yeah. taking a bit of an outrageous one because Trey Lance, probably first-year quarterback, second-year quarterback, you know what I mean, um, first year as an actual leading quarterback. Stop. I've got them yeah. as kind of a outside chance. So I'd say 49ers Chiefs, yeah. but again, it's just we, we don't fully know. You won't know the picture of Aaron Rodgers suddenly goes to the 49ers, then my pick sounds incredible. But again, I think just what they've got at the moment, I saw from the 49ers, I'd say 49ers Chiefs. Yeah, look, I, I was I was thinking about the NFC, and the 49ers were a name that crossed my mind with or without Brady. You can say Falcons uh, if you want. Uh, yeah, look, the 49ers flashed my mind because yeah, look, they, Jimmy Garoppolo has proven he's an above-average quarterback. I don't think that's unfair to say that he's an above-average quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. He's above-average. He can get he'll, he'll get you far. He's not a superstar like a Mahomes or a Josh Allen or a Burrow or whatever. Um, but he he'll he'll get you there. Yeah, look, it's it, that's really hard. ASC, I I agree with you there with the Chiefs. Um, it's hard to hard to not pick them. They got they've got some good moves coming. They they're dropping Frank Clark, who's been sort of a burden since the Super Bowl since that Super Bowl um, win. Uh, yeah, I feel like the Chiefs have got a few good things going on, especially now that they've revamped that offensive line, and it's only going to get stronger going into another year. Um, NFC side, yeah, look, I think even if Aaron Rodgers stays with Green Bay, I don't know if I'd pick them again. I think I've just been burned too many times by (laughs) They've won one NFC championship game out of like five that they've played in with him. And the ones they've lost have all been at home. The only time they won was in 2010 at the Bears, where the Bears 
won the NFC North that year. So I'm done picking the Packers, done picking Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and you look around the rest of the NFC, right? NFC East, I don't think anyone there is championship caliber. The Cowboys just... You can't, they, they're yeah, just the most. Yeah. You can't they shoot themselves. Them in the, they've yeah. shot themselves in the foot so often. Their feet look like Swiss cheese. Right? <laughs> you know the, the Eagles. They're building something there. I just. I. I need to see a bit more. There's still some questionable drafting that's going on there, but they're building a solid team there. NFC South. I don't think anyone there is doing anything much next year. Like, no. sorry to say. No. Falcons, um, but, uh, we yeah. we may just make the playoffs because that's how bad the division is. Not because yeah. we're good. So um yeah. No, yeah. No, NFC North. Yeah, no, NFC North. Look, I don't. If Aaron Rodgers moves on, I could see the Lions winning that division next year because of how. There's a crazy stat. Like if the if all the results um, of games that have been decided by one score or less were reversed, um, the Lions would be like an 11 win team. Or if it was like <laughs> if the if the if game if all games ended uh, three minutes earlier, the Lions uh, would be yeah. an 11 win team. So they're very close. They're very close to being a good team. And that's with Jared Goff. At, at quarterback, again, an okay quarterback, but not nothing amazing. Yep. So the the Lions are building something there, and they've got good draft position as well to to improve that even more. Uh, but I don't see them making a, a Super Bowl run. So you look naturally towards the <laughs> NFC West, which, if you look back at the last few Super Bowls, most of the the representatives on the NFC side in the Super Bowl have been NFC West, right? Like that's pretty impressive over this. This last yeah. decade, how many NFC West representatives it's been, and it's been almost all the teams. The Cardinals, you've got to go back what now, uh, fourteen years to find in, in a fourteen year span, every single team from the NFC West has been to the Super Bowl. It's pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. So again, I don't I don't know if the Cardinals can recreate the magic that they had from the start of this year. It looks like they sort of slowed down down the stretch. The Seahawks, I think there's way too many question marks there, and they they're in a little bit of a reloading stage. I think the Rams and the 49ers have both got a really good shot at it. Honestly, I think they've both got a really, really good shot. And I honestly think which, whichever of those two teams had uh, made it to the Super Bowl would have won yeah. um, because of how they're built, which, again, is in the trenches. I am going to go the Rams. Though. I'm going to disagree yeah. with you. I think it's the, Ra- the Rams have a really good shot of repeating unless Aaron Donald does what some media reports were and saying he's going to do and retires yeah. for, you know... I guess you know you want to make sure you have quality of life, which we've been seeing a lot recently. A lot of players retiring earlier to still be able to enjoy quality of life. Um, yeah, look, it's it, there's a lot to there's a lot to question with the Rams, but they should still have Stafford next year. They should still have Cup. They should still have Aaron Donald. Those three players, they'll take your team far. Excellent. There we go. Uh, there's our next year predictions. Early, early, very early mm. next year predictions. So I'm sure they'll change by the time yeah. we start of next season. Uh, any last thoughts on the Super Bowl, QZ, other than your Steelers not making it and how disappointed about that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, no, that's fine. It's a great, uh, great end to the year. Um, look, I, we haven't done a we haven't done a a podcast since the NFL on has happened. So I'm just going to say. DJ won Defensive Player of the Year. Finally, justice has been served. Has been served with 42 votes uh, for him, which uh, is a really good number. Uh, Micah Parsons was the second most with only five votes, and then Aaron Donald got three votes. So that shows you, you know, the... The voters this year was, were switched on, were paying attention to what was going on, and they saw what a disruptive force he was. Um, so well done to, to TJ. Look forward to 
seeing you get many more sacks next year. And uh, I'm excited for off-season free agency and draft period now. So yes. Yes. can't and wait. We'll be Let's get that. some news going. Excellent, excellent. Uh, we'll quickly move on then to the Six Nations. So three uh, games, obviously, last week or last weekend. It was Scotland versus Wales, France versus Ireland, and then England versus Italy. So mm, the Welsh... This could be painful for you. Well, it's, it is, but it isn't, because I kind of, for the Welsh or the Scottish, I kind of said that it would be the most Scottish thing to lose to the Welsh and go ahead, mm. and they did it. So they, they beat a, a strong English side to then lose to an undermanned Welsh side as typical Scotland. So they'll yep. be bitterly disappointed with the way they performed there and to not get the win. Um, and then England, uh, sorry, France and Ireland, a great game. And realistically, yeah. I think Ireland will be better off for the loss. Um, and even I, I, I rewatched the game back and I think the Irish were probably still the better team, which is interesting. Um, it's just, you really can't give the French a sniff. The French are reminding me a lot of uh, South Africa, the way they play at the moment, not with as much the kicking. Uh, they've got a bit more French flair to them, but just they get in the right territories. You give up a penalty, they're going to kick three points, um, and their mm. their fullbacks are, are, are pinpoint goal kickers. So, yeah, I mean, they scored in one more try than the uh, French, the Irish. So I'm not – I go, okay, yeah, my picks, first two picks weren't right, but there was – there was something behind them, definitely, that, that 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 I think the French are still going to struggle um, to go away and win games. Um, they've had two games at home now, and I think yeah. they were lucky that game was at home. However, saying that, if you're Ireland, you've got to win that game. So it's, it has it made the competition much, uh, I guess, very very interesting to see who's going to take the next step um, with with some big games coming up this week. But I think it's opened the door back up for England to, to slide in there after their disappointing loss. They win and, and pummeled um, Italy 33-0. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm disappointed with the way my picks ended up. But I think yeah. for Six Nations, it was some good footy and my picks were there. I, I You can see the reasoning behind my picks. It's just games moments didn't work out. Um, but, yes... Mm. Also, Super Rugby is coming back this weekend. We did yes. a we did a video. So if you're not you haven't jumped on our YouTube channel, jump on our YouTube channel because we did a video um, previewing click the it. Link. <laughs> yes, I'll put the. <laughs> Where am I going to put the link for this? Is for people in the YouTube video. I'll put the link there. Yeah. Yeah. Who's watching our podcast YouTube channel? For those who are just listening yeah. to it. Go onto our YouTube channel and yeah. <laughs> and then watch it on there as well. We preview all the teams, give a bit of predictions, um, so have a watch of that. It is very informative for you to get and, caught up on. And we're actually going to go to a game. We're going yeah. to the Waratahs versus uh, Fijian Durup uh, this Friday. The so first game, first game of Super Rugby now, so that's good. First live game I will have been to in... Yikes. Oh, so long because of uh, <laughs> COVID and stuff. So I'm very excited for that. Going to bust out the Tars jersey, uh, busting out my dad as well, bringing him <laughs> to something outside of the house and workplace for the first time in a long time as well. So that took a bit of poking and prodding, but we got him there. Um, <laughs> but I did just uh, notice something that I wanted to to get your opinion on, on Luke, because you, know, you posed me a lot of questions. I want to p- pose you a question now. So... There's been some chatter, and there's been a bit of a proposal by uh, by Sansa uh, to World Rugby to the to what they call the, the Big Ten, the ten big 
rugby playing nations of the world that they're going to move the rugby world cup and world championship format to, instead of being every four years to be every two years mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that every every big competition has started to think this is a good idea and it's it's not a bad idea from the bottom line perspective because these tournaments make millions of millions of dollars mm. advertising all this i understand that i fucking hate it the idea of moving it from four years to two years any big tournament the idea is it's meant to be built up that long because that's your your built up i see rugby's idea for it a bit better than football's because football you've got euros you've got a couple other things you can squeeze in yeah. the middle rugby it isn't so much there's nothing else like rugby championship happens every year so stuff like that yeah. um I don't know. It could be done. In rugby, it could be done. Rugby is probably one of the few sports I'd say I, I, I don't mind every two years. I, I don't think it's, it needs to be done. Um, it'll only be mm. done to make the money. Because whoever whoever does it first, if it, if it works well, they'll all follow. So if football does this first, if rugby does this first, whoever the big sporting thing does this first, it'll and it works well, everyone will jump on board and you'd be like, oh, you missed the boat because the first one did it first and they made the most money and profit yeah. from it. Uh, to me, it, it, it ruins it ruins the moment. But imagine being world champion for two years rather than the full four years. It does ruin that moment a little bit. But I could get behind it. Uh, I could definitely get yeah. behind it. I, even if you, even if you said three years, if you said three years, we do it every three years. I could sit there and go, "There's there's reason behind that," you know. But uh, two years, man, just seems seems to be just it'll be oh yeah, two years and we're back again. It's like it's like this T Twenty World Cup. To be fair, actually, if I'm looking at it from the T20 World Cup perspective, the last T20 World Cup that happened last year, I'm still just as excited for the T20 World Cup this year, mm. even though it just happened last year, Like, which is strange, and I don't know if it's because of the sport and the format, but I'm just as excited, although it's only been a year gap for the for the game. So, I mean, it, it, it will be interesting to see, to be see how it, was, how it will be done, um, but if they could sell it in the right package i'd be interested to hear but i'm against it yeah if i had to if you had gun to my head and said you have to make a decision you thought i'd be like no team for four years fair fair (laughs) well reasoned good arguments good arguments yeah Yeah. i do i I do like your point there and this is what i sort of attach to is that there isn't anything sort of between world cups like there is in football you know like there's the as the zeros the copper america and everything like that uh even the uh the tournament that just wrapped up uh, afcon the african um champion yeah so i feel like yeah you know if you're not going to do the world cup every two years get something else in there to 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 put in between you know i'd love to see more and more varied rugby events doesn't need to be a world cup you know it could be something else even yeah even if it was just a a knockout tournament so you had like the best 16 teams on the world you said every two years we're going to take the rankings and it's one versus 16 and then two is and you just do a draw and it's like a uh the i know we already call something the rugby championship but the rugby championship or something like that you call it a different name yeah um well rugby challenge or something like that and that's that's the way you do it something like that where it's not not the same format, slightly different format. That could work. I, I yeah, I, I definitely think there's a there's an opportunity there for for something like that, where it's one off games, knockout tournament. That would I think it would be fantastic. Yeah, even you could even do something like I mean, I always like this idea because um, it's similar to State of Origin, but you do Northern Hemisphere versus Southern Hemisphere, like All Star clash kind of game every four years in the two year between you know uh, 
um, the, the the halfway point between World Cups, you do that, or you have it as like a tour similar to like the British and Irish yeah. uh, Lions, where you have the Southern Hemisphere team travel to um, to Northern Hemisphere to the Six Nations countries and play play those teams and stuff like that. I wouldn't even mind seeing events spread to you know across to America and Canada where we're seeing a growth in rugby, um, you know getting some more events there and getting people interested in it there. I think that would be really cool to see. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see, you know, some, even if it's just exhibition style stuff, something, or have a tournament that's, that's held over there. So yeah, I'd like to see some more rugby stuff. And, you know, if it, if it, if it comes down to it having to be another, uh, like the world cup every two years instead of four years, I'm okay with that. As long as I want to see something else, would I rather see something other than a World Cup every two years? Sure. If that's all we're going to get, though, I'm okay with getting, getting that. that as well. Yeah. No, I mean, it's good. And it'll be interesting to see how what they do and, and how they, they plan for that. Um, but we'll go from there. Mm. Um, UFC 271 on the weekend just occurred. Israel Adesanya, the New Zealander, beat Robert Whitaker, the Australian as all good New Zealanders do. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that was it was a, it was a fight... And that's about all you need to know. It wasn't very highly exciting. It was a champion defending his bout against a good challenger. Very tactical. Uh, Israel definitely won it. Um, I had a 48-47 on my score card that I that I keep in my head at the time. Um, so I don't think there was much worries of him losing it. Um, but I think if there is another fight to, between these guys, it'll be interesting to see how they both attack that fight. So I think eventually... Israel's going to get a couple more fights and then I think Riddicka will get a couple more and probably same time next year we'll see them fighting again for a third time. That was great. Bam Bam Tuivasa, Tai Tuivasa was the statement of the night though with the the knockout, aka Husey we can call him, uh, knockout mm. of the night, uh, knocking out Derek Lewis, um, and which was a big statement when he was ranked I think 13th tie and, and Derek Lewis was ranked third. So knocking him out was huge just for overall kind of his aura and his ranking in the uh, heavyweight division. He took a couple of bit heavy blows um, and managed to come back, which was very good for him. And as a true Australian, um, yeah, he's doing a fantastic job um, of selling himself, his fights, his personality, and moving up the heavyweight division. So I think we will see some more exciting fights for him and he won't be yes. too far away from being in the title contention, which is great. Um, and then... Jared Cannonier won the kind of battle of uh, first man in contention to take on Israel after this fight um, when he beat Derek Brunson in their um, middleweight battle for kind of, yeah, the number one contender, um, if you were to use, I guess, wrestling terms as they used to do, and that was a number one contender fight. Um, so he'll most likely the next fight will be Israel Adesanya versus uh, Cannonier, um, which will be a good fight, both exciting styles. But that's... UFC 271, there wasn't much else around that. Some good fights in there, um, but those were the main points. Uh, lastly, today, the NRL All-Star game was... NRL was back, and that was back with a bang. What a game that was, um, I guess. A, Literally a bang in the yeah. case of Jordan Rapinoe. A couple times, <laughs> shoulder shoulders. Fucking uh, idiot. <laughs> I, the, look, I get it. We, we don't want it in our game. It's, it's silly to do. I hate when I see guys getting suspended from games like this. As, yeah. as I understand this, you, you should probably be doing this, but when you're putting your body on the line for a, an expedition game like that, it's, it is cool to see the intensity level so high 
for a game like that. And just to know that as a club, why would you want him to go back there? Because you know he's going to play like this. This is who Jordan Rappinar is. Like you're you're not going to yeah. not be able to pull this him up that out of him. So it's like to me, I'm like, oh, like yeah, yeah. I see. Something that gets me, though, is that Rappinon was allowed to play in this game, even though he was already facing a suspension going into the season. However, Latrell Mitchell wasn't allowed to play because he was currently serving a suspension that's also going to carry over into the regular season. So I really dislike that technicality kind of thing that bars one player from playing and lets another one play for basically the same thing. It's because Mitchell was in the middle of his ban, whereas Rappinon had yet to start serving his ban. So that... That really ticks me off, yeah. and especially for such a amazing game like this, the in um you know the Indigenous round, the NRL All Star, Indigenous versus Mary NRL All Stars, yeah, that really ticks me off that he wasn't allowed to play in this. He's allowed to play in the trial games, yeah. but he's not allowed to play in these representative games. But Rappinon was because he hadn't started serving his suspension yet, and he's got added on to his suspension because of this game. I that that to me took away from it a little bit was not being able to have the best players out there you're doing for one but you're not doing it for the other and i i enjoyed the game i especially enjoyed jumping the fact that he doesn't get a game taken off a suspension even though he misses this game exactly it's like what what do you mean like so he's not allowed to play but it doesn't come off a suspension like and either so if you but you can get suspended in the game so i'm like so surely this either you say yes he can play and it doesn't come off a suspension and you uh yeah just the whole thing is a bit mind boggling. I think they yeah. they do need to sort that out, but continue. bloody rules lawyers. Yeah, <laughs> um, I enjoyed the game because I watched Tyrell Sloan, the next superstar fullback for the Georgia Lawara Dragons, bursting through the line like an absolute speed demon and scoring a try. So that was great for me to see. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was a really great game, and it just shows you the strength of rugby league that you're able to have this game and that both teams are solid. I, I'm sad that the Māori have won two years in a row now because now it looks like another sport that New Zealand's better at it, uh, <laughs> than us at. So, Do I think yeah. I think the game suited the Māori style more than than yeah. than their, um, their originals. Like if it had been a nice sunny day, it's it's one of those typical ones where the wet weather, a Kiwi side against an Aussie side, probably a ten all game where we could win. Whereas yeah. you get beautiful sunshine, you're probably running out the score and it's forty nil or something like that. So I think it definitely you look at the two teams and you went. That was probably the only position we had an advantage was the middle, and it all of a sudden became a middle game, and and that's what, yeah. what rolled through. But I, I thought there was yeah great skill for for first game of the season. Like normally you in that yeah. in those conditions a lot more drop balls. David Fafita is a an absolute beast and an absolute terrier yeah. down the sideline. That just that, watching what he can do to players, and those aren't aren't bad players um so yeah he's incredible patrick herbert um is going fuck everyone who tried to write me off after me not passing the ball i'm going to tackle everybody so that was good my titans boys look very good um just as good as your your dragon to be fair i must say terrell sloan does not suit on the wing um especially in defense i was like there's a couple of times i'm like oh we uh he should see this is this is this is a good note i'd be taking a note if i was dragons coach he stays at fullback um because, yeah. yeah, which he is, is better suited. But in a game like that, you're going to have lots of guys playing, changing, so you know that'll happen. Um, but, yeah, uh, Joseph T- Tuppany put his hand up pretty pretty, pretty yeah. strongly with, with an outstanding game for the Maldives, um, led the side, um, and the Raiders will be, I imagine, very happy with that. However, he's the same as Mr. Papali or Josh Papali'i, whatever you want to call him. Um, 
vaccination status may cause some issues as he uh, gets into the se- season not being able to play in yeah. Victoria and Queensland. However, I don't know really what where we're standing there with that because now Nelson Asafa Solomona is back training with the Storm boys and yeah, not vaccinated. We'll see. So it'll be an interesting time. I imagine it'll in, change in during the season. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, it'll I change like the NFL. And look, the you know we've we've just talked about the men's game, but the women's game was really interesting as well. I got to see only a couple of flashes of that. Uh, once again, the Dragons players in that stood up, the NRLW <laughs> Dragons players. Uh, and I think the whole uh, idea of the game is really cool, as well as like the the cultural stuff you see uh, before and after the game with the with the war dance and stuff. I love the Indigenous and Maori jerseys. I love uh, when it's Indigenous round. Uh, in the the NRL during the season, you see all the different jerseys and stuff on. I think that's really cool, and I really like that it's being embraced as part of the game. I hope we see it uh, more. Uh, I'd like to see more than just one round where those jerseys are busted out because um, it's really cool. And I think it's makes uh, it's something that's so uh, unique to to our part of the world that I think we should embrace it more and use it to to draw more people into the sport. So that's just my take. And I'd love to see us. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I, I want to see the same for super rugby as well, more indigenous representation. I love the, uh, in, in indigenous jerseys when they come out, that's the Wallabies jersey I've got is the yeah. indigenous round one. Um, and yes, yeah, so I'd like to see it more as part of our game. Cause I think it's a super cool touchstone. That's unique to our part of the world. And uh, yeah, hopefully um, does some good out there. Definitely, and I think it's, it's it is inspirational to some of those kids being able to see a whole team of Aboriginal, yeah. a whole team of Maori actually playing, and then there's talks of a free game series, which I think would be cracking yeah, as well. Cool. Um, so that'd be cool. I did think I had a quick thought, and I quickly shut it down because it turns into a bit of expedition. Like imagine if you had a, I don't know, we call them Pakia, so like white people are Pakia in the Maori culture, or a European based team. You know what I mean? Like a yeah. just a, a third team that was you know. Not Aboriginal, non-Indigenous, but then I was turns into a bit, a bit of a, a spectacle rather than actually a game. So I kind of like the situation we've got at the moment, um, and I think it's yeah. good. Like we, we we've they got did have of, sort of that with the with the, the All Stars, NRL All Stars versus yeah. the Indigenous All Stars kind of thing. And yeah, that was a bit. It was it was kind of okay. I definitely prefer this format. Hundred percent. I think it's this is the way to go. Um, and, and as long as the guys keep playing like that, it'll it'll stay like that. Um, it will be yeah. interesting to see. How when they have that first injury or that first big injury that comes from it, how quickly you know there's the, obviously the story of Joe yeah. Money being pulled out and, and this and that. So how that shapes it and how the NRL works it into the the season and the conversation, um, it'll be interesting to see. See, but again, I think it was a great spectacle. I think we'll keep having it, and I, I would it would be awesome for Super Rugby to do a similar type thing. Um, definitely, even um, I can guarantee they've got enough multi players to do it. If I'm sure there's enough Aboriginal players they could get around it, even if it was just an expedition game um, to kind of get the season kicked off. I think that would be a cool idea as well. Yeah, excellent. I think that is everything. Anything else on your mind? Yeah. No, no, I think we we covered it all there. Excited for the NFL off season. Excited for the NRL and Super Rugby seasons to be kicking off, and. Uh, yeah, look, sport all year round. What more could you want? Yeah. <laughs> and we'll keep you up to date. Uh, it has been a short and sweet podcast from Ian Husey, um, but just as good as the rest of us. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Peace. Peace.